Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. You know, there's a, there's a psalm, and I sorry I didn't give this one to you, Brian, but the psalm that says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. Amen. And when we come here, not just on Sunday, but it's always about getting in the river. Amen. It's always about getting in the river. It's, all, it's always about flowing in the river. And yesterday, you know, there was a, a, a number that were baptized. And um, let's find my notes here. They were baptized and they were getting in the river as such, right? And so uh, the Lord's just been speaking to me for a while out of um, Ezekiel chapter 47. And uh, maybe Brian's bring that one up for me. And uh, Ezekiel there, the Lord, the Lord brings to him a vision about, um, about this river. We should have prayed, Lord, help that preacher up there. <laughs> All right. It's never too late, is it? Anyways, um, okay, then he brought me back to the door of the temple. So I guess I'm supposed to preach without notes this morning. Uh, then he brought me back to the door of the temple. This, this was uh, uh, the angel um, working with Ezekiel here. And Ezekiel saying, then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the front of the temple faced east, and the, the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. And he brought me through the waters, and the waters came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through, and the water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned there, along the bank of the river, were very many trees on one side and the other. And then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, enters the sea, and when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters go there, for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. So Ezekiel here, he's getting this, uh, this vision here of a river that is going to flow, and it's going to flow from the temple, right? It's gonna, and not only from the temple, it's going to flow from out under the threshold, which is from the doorway. And he's getting this vision because in everything that you find in the scriptures, always foreshadowing something that's coming, because God's always speaking He's always speaking life. He's always bringing forth revelation of things that are going to come. 
And we find, you know, now as, as believers who live on this side of the cross, that Jesus was the fulfillment of that. And we find in uh, John, if you've got the next one there, Brian. John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And then uh, one more, John, chapter 2, and verse 19. Jesus said, answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So we see here, Ezekiel's getting this vision way back, I don't I don't know exactly what the timeline was, maybe a thousand years before Jesus, you know, um, came on the scene. And we see here that Jesus is the temple. And that Jesus is the one who, as a result of his crucifixion, and is being glorified and being raised up, the release of that, that flow of water comes, that spirit of the Holy Spirit that God's going to pour out on people. is released upon people. And, you know, we find that, you know, to, to flow and to, to come into this river, there's only one way in. And uh, we find in John chapter 10... And verse 7, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, right? Because the water flowed out from the door, right? Flew out from, uh, flowed out from under that threshold of the door. And Jesus is the door of the temple. And then when Peter, when he's speaking, um, after Jesus was taken up and glorified, after he'd been crucified and, and died for the sins of the people, paid for your sins and my sins, he's taken up. And Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, and he's bringing forth and he's saying to this people, you know, the Lord whom you crucified, he is both Lord and Christ, whom God has raised up. And the people are cut to the heart. And so then uh, they said to them, you know, men and brethren, what shall we do? And in Acts chapter 2, it said they were cut to the heart. And Peter said to the rest of the apostles, uh, sorry, they said to Peter, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. You know, and and again, we were blessed yesterday to see 13 or so people go through the waters of baptism, right? And that's the only way to get into this river that Ezekiel saw. That's the only way to get into this river that Jesus cried out on that day of the feast and said, you know, he who believes in me out of his heart, out of his belly, will flow these rivers of living water. The only way to get in is, is through repentance, you know, and, and what a joy it is when you get in. If you're here this morning and, and you haven't come to that place this morning, I just encourage you, you know, to make that step to come into the river. You know, let Jesus be the Lord of your life. 
And for those who were baptized yesterday, you know, the profession they're making is that, you know, we're leaving behind our old life. We're leaving behind the old ways of making our own decisions, and we're going to let the Lord help us make the decisions in our lives as we move forward uh, in this point. And, and when you get into that river, there is such a joy that begins to come. And the psalmist said in Psalm 60, 67, again, as I quote, uh, sorry, in 46, Psalm 46, he said, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. You know, when you step into that river through repentance, when you, you confess that I needed a Savior, I needed someone to pay for my sins, and I need someone not only to save me from my sins, I need somebody to help me walk from here on. When you recognize you can't do that, and there's a joy that comes to you because you feel the weight of those sins and, and the stuff that you felt before, the peace that you had. And, and I remember going back myself when, you know, I was dating this girl from high school and the Lord began to draw me. He began to speak to me through his word and, and convict me about things in my life. Didn't condemn me, but he convicted me. You know, his spirit was working in my heart through his word and convicting me. And what a joy it was when I made that decision, when I could see that the path that I, I wanted to go on now, and it wasn't the path that she wanted to go on, unfortunately, uh, unless she's changed since then. I don't know. I haven't any contact with her. That was 30-some years ago. But, you know, I saw that I had to make a decision. And when I felt, you know, my sins being forgiven, that, that cleansing, that washing away, it was, yes, it was hard to, to break up with her. It was hard to say, listen, I have to break off because I know I just know this isn't going to work out, you know. And after a period of time, there's, there's just a joy that came from making that decision. And there's a joy that comes when you, you begin to see how the Spirit begins to stir in things in your life and help you with decisions that you're having to make. And repentance, as if you haven't already learned, isn't something that just happens to get into the river. It's something that happens even as we're in the river and if we want to go deeper. And that's the thing that we see here with Ezekiel. The, the river keeps getting deeper. Amen? With, with God, there's, there's no lack. There's no, you can keep going deeper and deeper and deeper with God. And there's no lack with him. He'll just keep bringing you on further from the place that you are. And, and there's just such a joy in, in finding that in God. that there's no, there's no dead ends with God. It doesn't... It doesn't run dry and, and get stale. One time when I was upstairs, um, and you may, if, if any of you have kind of toured up with the, the kids' ministry upstairs, and in the one room, um, I noticed that Christine, she had put a poster up there, and it had the scripture verse that we already read out of John chapter 7. And he said, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of him will flow rivers of living water. And it really stood out to me one day, when it said, as the scriptures have said. You know, we have to believe in Jesus and in the word as the scriptures have spoken of him, as they have declared him. And, you know, a few weeks ago, um, I spoke quite extensively uh, with this guy, and he was very passionate about what he believed. And he was, he was very religious, and he believed in Jesus. You know, he believed in Jesus, and he believed him as the son of man. And not only that, he believed that he was a good man. 
And he even believed that Jesus was a prophet, but he didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't believe that Jesus was divine. And so, you know, we talked, and we talked for quite some length on it, and, and kind of shared back and forth and, and challenged each other, if you will. And it, it was a good discussion. It really was. And I ended up leaving my phone number and saying, hey, I'd love to discuss further with this on you. And he said, yeah, sure, you know. So he took my name and number. And, you know, but he, that, that man, if he carries on in the way he is, he will never get into the river. Like, he's not in the river now because he does not believe on Jesus as the scripture has said. And, you know, there's, there's really... There's hundreds of people, there's thousands of people out there who believe in God and who may even believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in him as the scripture has said. And so when you step into the river, then the river is supposed to begin to flow through you. And as we read here with Ezekiel, the rivers went down and they reached the sea. And when they touched the sea, the sea was healed. And that's you and me. As we get into the river, as we're carried by the river, as the river begins flowing through us, and, and that sea really represents the sea of humanity, you know, when we go out being that channel for God, that river for God, then people get healed. People get touched, you know, by us. As you share your testimony and, and what God's done in your life, you know, as we learn to flow in that river and allow the gifts by the way that come in being in that river, you know, there's, there's gifts, the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, a gift of prophecy, you know, the gift of tongues, the gift of healing. So we have to be in that river in order to allow that uh, expression that the Holy Spirit wants to bring through us. And so, you know, our prayer just has to be, you know, God, help me to be out there. Help me to touch that sea of humanity by allowing your river to flow constantly, freely through my life, as the scripture has said. And again, the next thing that we find in Ezekiel is that, you know, he kept measuring 1,000 cubits. And every 1,000 cubits, you know, it went from ankle deep to knee deep to waist deep and then became a river so great that it could not be crossed. It was a river that he had to swim in. And, you know, God is calling each one of us. And, and, and some time ago, I think it was maybe a couple of months back, the Lord just was really bringing the scripture verse to me and just saying, you know, Peter, the choice is yours. You can go as deep with me as you want. And, you know, sometimes we all know that. Sometimes it's not maybe a, a really new or deep revelation, but sometimes the Lord just meets you in a moment because he's trying to refresh you in something. He's trying to bring you back to something, right, to step on into something. And that's the thing that I find as, as I walk in my walk with the Lord, my journey with Jesus is that there's always more with him. He's always seeking to bring us into something deeper. And he's always challenging us to go deeper in him. And so we can go, you know, we can live our whole lives and, and only be ankle deep in the river. If, if that's where you want to stay in your experience in God, then, you know, you can stay ankle, ankle deep. But God really intends for you to get out to the place where you start swimming. You know, where you are caught up in the flow of the Spirit, in, in such a surrender to Him that you're just listening to Him and just learning to flow in that river. And this experience for me happened quite a few years ago, but nonetheless, a great example. Uh, I was in the shower one day, and I felt the Lord saying to me, and I've been meeting this guy, and he said, I want you to go tell Rick that I love him. And, and Neil knows who this gentleman is because uh, we were both kind of working with him years ago. 
He said, I want you to go and tell Rick that I love him. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, I'll finish showering. And I got, had a couple other things I was going to do. And then I'll go up. And, and, he, and I just felt this impression like, I want you to go now. And so I'm thinking, okay. So, Lord, is there something else you want me to say? Like, like maybe something like, am I just going to say that I love him? That's it? Like, do you have any deeper prophetic word that I can share with him? (laughs) I don't know if you've ever had that experience. But that was kind of how I was feeling, right? And the the Lord just said, no, just, just tell him that I love him. So... I did that. I just took that that prompting, you know, the spirit of God in my life, jumped out of the shower and put clothes on, of course, and headed up to Rick's and just went up to him. And I just said, hey, Rick, you know, I just really felt the Lord impressed me with something this morning. He just wants you to know that he loves you. And I, and I just kind of stopped there. And he said, wow. He said, I've never had anybody say that to me before. And it was just, and it's not, it's not like his life was in any way dramatically changed but it was just simply an example to me of just listening to the spirit of god and going and speaking to him and and actually and after i shared that it was kind of like then the lord did give me other things to say to him to speak into his life to encourage him with and that's often how it works when you surrender yourself to the flow of the spirit of god he doesn't tell you everything up front that you're supposed to do sometimes it's just taking that first step and then god will begin to unravel or reveal the rest that you're supposed to do. And that's how we get from being knee-deep, from maybe ankle-deep to going knee-deep. You know, we just want to allow the the Spirit of God just to flow through us. But the other thing I really felt this morning to to share with you, uh, in Luke chapter 4, and we all know that Jesus likewise was baptized, like each one of us that made that decision to, to give our lives to Jesus, to yield our lives to Jesus, to want to walk with him. Well, Jesus did too. And he came, of course, not because he had to be baptized to die to his sin, you know, but he was, he came to die for our sin. And so he was identifying with us, with humanity, with fallen humanity. And so he came to be baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. And then after, when he came up out of the waters, and we were encouraging all those yesterday, just have an expectation from God that God's going to do new things, new fresh things in your life, right? And when he came up out of the water, it said he saw the heavens open and the Spirit of God descending upon him. So even Jesus needed the Spirit. Even Jesus was totally relying on the Spirit of God to fill him, to allow that river to flow in him so that he could walk out and live the ministry that the Father had given him to live. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and it says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And you you know, we'll kind of get into, touch a little bit on the temptation, but... And then in verse uh, 13, 14. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus, look at this, returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went through all the surrounding region. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit back there before he ever went into the wilderness. You and I can get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit but it's after you've gone through some tests. It's after you've gone through some temptations. And I, and I just want to clarify, the temptations happen on the devil's part. But it's a test on God's part. Because God never tempts you. God never tries to get you to fall into evil. It's just the enemy coming against you, trying to get you to fall. But God will take that and he'll turn it. He, he just makes it a test on his part to bring you through. And why? Because he wants you to walk in the power of the spirit and that really spoke to me one day 
is that if, if you and I are going to flow in the Spirit of God, if we're, if we're going to have that, that anointing and that flow in our walk and learn to move where he wants us to move and go and, and say the things that he wants us to say, if I'm going to be able to speak a word of life to somebody along my pathway in life, then I'm going to have to go through some stuff that's going to enable me to do that. And that's what happened with Jesus here. And it's interesting, you know, how Jesus was tempted because when you look at the three ways, because when he was in the wilderness, the scripture um, really kind of sums it up because he was out there 40 days. So I'm sure the devil was coming uh, more than just three times. But it sums it up into three things. And it's really three areas that Jesus was tempted in and three areas that you and I will be tempted in, tested in. One I'm going to say is hedonism. The second is egotism. And the third is materialism. Hedonism is the lust of the body. So when Jesus, you know, he's been fasting for 40 days, and of course he's hungry, right? So it's a natural instinct that any of us would have. And the devil comes and said, look, if you're the son of God, turn this, turn this rock or whatever into bread. But Jesus, Jesus didn't do that. He was, he was waiting for the Father to bring provision for him. And so he turned down that temptation, that, that lust um, of the flesh. And we find these same things, and I think you have that, uh, Brian, First John chapter 2. John speaks to this. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so when Jesus is tempted about turning this stone into bread, that was the lust of the flesh. That was a temptation to fall in the lust of the flesh. Then the devil takes him up to this high place on the temple and is telling him to jump off and jump down. And it's interesting because the first one, when Jesus is tempted by the devil, the devil's, the devil's trying to get him to, as we said, turn this thing into bread. But he's waiting. Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to wait for the Father's provision. I'm not going to... I'm not just going to, and, and part of it is because Jesus is both divine and human, he's going through the same sufferings that you and I are going through. And so he would never just use his divinity in order to overcome something because then that would not have allowed him to experience the same things that you and I did. So he was trusting on the provision of God in the proper timing. And so that first test was really proving that Jesus was a man of faith. So now he's proven he's a man of faith because he hasn't fallen for that one. So the devil takes him to the next test, which is to jump, jump off of, of the temple, right? And part of this was the egotism part, right? Part of this would be, you know, if he was to do this before the people, and of course, Satan also says to him, look, uh, you're a man of faith, and the scripture says that if you jump off, the angel of, of God will bear you up. And... Of course, Jesus doesn't fall for this one either because um, he realizes that, okay, being a man of faith, I'm not supposed to be fanatical either. I'm not supposed to assume upon the things of God. I'm supposed to do the things that God specifically directs me to do. And that's something that happens in us as, as God uh, works with us, as we go through trials, we go through tests, and, and God um, brings us into that place of of growing in that in that power of the spirit in our lives is that now you have to learn how to use the faith that you're you're coming into and part of that is is learning not to allow it to um to be used out of place not to become fanatical with it and so jesus 
He wasn't fanatical in the sense of when he's going to face dangers in his life. So in your faith, if you're going to face some sort of danger in your life, you do that in the line of duty. But you don't put yourself unnecessarily in the place of danger. God will keep you in, in dangerous places, but he doesn't call us to presume upon him and just say, well, I can just step out and do such and such because, you know, as the devil tempted him, well, they're going to look after you, right? So, so the enemy tests him in that place. And then the last test comes with, look, if you will bow down and worship me, all these things of the kingdom. So this is the lust of materialism. I'll give you all this. You can, you can set up because Jesus knew he came to establish a kingdom on the earth. And, and he, he wanted to see that kingdom established. So his desire, of course, in wanting to establish that kingdom then. Uh, so the devil is tempting him. And I, I really don't think that when the devil is tempting him, I don't think when he says, you know, if you'll bow down and worship me, I don't think it came, it's coming across in the sense of the same worship that, that God would be due. Because, that, because anybody that had any sense you know, would turn away from that. Temp- it wouldn't have really been a temptation. I think really when, when the devil, I mean, ultimately that's what the devil's trying to do, right? Is to get to worship him like he worships God. But really, it was, it was really meant to be a compromise. You know, if, if you will worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. You won't have to go through um, this, this period of ministry where you're going to be persecuted and where you're going to be harassed by the people. You're not going to have to end up going to the cross, but I'm going to help you to establish your kingdom if you just bow down and worship me. And that was the tempt- that's a part of the temptation, right? Because it's natural for any of us when we're pursuing something, even something in God. You know, you, you want to do it without pain. You want to do it without um, all the troubles that would come with that. And that's a natural thing that any of us would seek. You know, Jesus, he knew that that would be, you know, against the Father's will. And, of course, as we know, you know, he said, away from me, Satan, for we to worship the Lord your God and to worship him only. That's the thing. thing. Whenever there's something that God calls you to do, it will always be spiritual means always take, uh, or sorry, anything that God is calling you to do in terms of a moral and spiritual thing, God is calling you to do that in a moral way and in a spiritual way, not an immoral way to try and accomplish something morally good. So we see that in the same way that Jesus was, was tested in all the ways just as we are. And, you know, all these things can come so simply in our lives. I mean, I know we're looking at Jesus here and and it's like when we see this picture, we see it's like he's facing the devil. And you and I walk along in our lives, and sometimes we don't see how the devil slips in, right? It's, it's, that's, that's the amazing, that's the thing that I really want to encourage you, you know, is you're reading the words, you're reading these different stories, is put yourself in the moment, like what was actually going on there. And like, for example, for me, like right now we're trying to renovate part of our basement. We're trying to put a second bathroom in downstairs. And for me, there can be a bit of a temptation in this area of materialism. Now, it's a good thing that I'm pursuing, right, for our family is, is to put another bathroom in and, and um, have some more of that space, you know, for us to be able to use that way. It's easy for me to get my focus on that. It's easy for me to just want to be thinking about, you know, calculating, okay, how's, how's, the, how's the structure, like I'm putting up some walls and studs and all that. How am I going to set that up and how... How's the, 
the vanity section, the sink going to fit in? Where's, how am I going to run the plumbing? And uh, how's the electrical going to work? Am I going to be able to pull these uh, electrical boxes that are already in the wall? Am I going to be able to make them work in the new wall? And you can just be thinking about all that stuff. And then I can be crossing people's paths as I go along in my life and not take the time to reach out to them, not take the time to maybe minister to somebody who's hurting or you're a brother in the Lord, right? And, and those are the ways sometimes. And it's not that you, you have to give yourself to every whim of people. You, I know you guys get that, understand that. But it is easy for us to get our focus on things that it's just like we're just fixated on that thing. And it's like we don't have time for anything else. And so that's, that's, you know, that's just been part of my challenge, just trying to keep that balance as I go along in life. And, and God wants that same for us. He always wants us to remember you're to be in the flow of the river here. You're supposed to stay in the spirit uh, in everything that you're doing and you're tackling. First Peter 1, verse 6 and 7 uh, Peter says here, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we're stepping through these things because the genuineness of our faith, is it's, it's, being, it's being tested, yes, but it's also, it's being revealed, right? As we pass the test, then it shows that our faith is genuine in these areas. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 21, 23. And we see Abraham here. And it says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. So we see that this experience that Abraham went through with offering his son Isaac, it was something that God had asked him to do. Ultimately, we know he didn't have to do it in the end, but Abraham didn't know that when he started. God was just testing him to see if he would be obedient to him. He was just testing him to see if he would flow in the river or not. And it says that his faith was made perfect. It was perfected, or in other words, it was made complete. You know, when we start in this journey, our faith is not complete. God is working through the things that, that we face to help perfect, to help complete that faith and to enable us to be able to stay in that river and to flow in that river. Um, you know, it's easy for all of us, as I was saying earlier, to, to sit back, you know, when we're, when we're reading the Scripture and to take the story in, and we're wowed by these heroes of faith. You know, we're wowed by the fact that Abraham was able to follow through and offer Isaac on the altar, to lay him on the altar. And then, as we said, he didn't have to carry that out. But that he, he even got to that point. You know, and we get wowed by the fact of, you know, maybe Daniel um, being thrown in the lion's den. You know, he knew that the king's edict went out that anybody who prayed to any other god would be thrown into a, the lion's den, and yet he goes ahead and he prays anyways, and they get thrown into the lion's den. And we sit back with it, wow, you know, isn't that amazing? Such a such a, a man of faith, you know, such a man in that in that way of trusting God. And yet, God doesn't want us to just be wowed by that. He doesn't want us to just sit around and have a whole bunch of Bible studies about these great heroes of faith without coming to the place, without letting it stir our hearts and say, you know what? 
I'm going to be like that. I'm going to I'm going to walk in that place too. I'm I'm going to let the things that touch me along the pathway of my life. I'm going to let God use those things to teach me to get deeper in the river of God and to flow in the river. You know, maybe you're here this morning and and as I said, you've never you've never come to that place where you've chosen to step in the river. And you know, I just want to encourage you this morning and I just want to give you some time to respond. Uh, at the end to come up if you want to give your heart to Jesus. You know, we have the prayer team that will come up and pray with you uh, if you want to give your life to Christ. If you, want to, if you want to let Jesus be Lord of your life, you know that you've been the Lord of your own life. And, you know, that, that's really, I think, summing up in terms of sin. Um, that's really the greatest sin is when we just choose to be the Lord of our own lives. We just choose to, to direct our own lives and make our own choices and and not consult with the one who created us, with the one who has a divine purpose for our lives, right? So if you want to do that, if you want to step in the river this morning, you know, if you're willing to repent and say, you know, I, I'm, I'm leaving the past behind me. I'm leaving my old ways of doing things behind, and I'm going to step into that river this morning. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're already in the river, but maybe you're only ankle deep. And maybe you know that. Maybe you know, you know, you've just been standing there ankle deep and you know it's it's like i'm in the river i'm splashing around a little bit and um but you know what my feet are still they're still planted on the ground i can i still got some control here because i can still feel the sand under my feet and then you know so but god wants you to go from ankle deep to knee deep and he wants us to go from knee deep to waist deep and he wants us to go from waist deep till we're in that river till we're totally surrendered to the flow to the place where you can't touch the bottom yourself. Your control is simply being surrendered to his control. That's where God, that's where God wants to bring us to. Jesus said to, he said to Peter after he was preaching on the seashore once, he said, Peter, launch out into the deep. And Peter said, but Lord, I've toiled all night and I've caught nothing. You know, maybe some of us are saying, you know, Lord, I've done this. I've tried this already. I've done it again and again. I've tried it this way and I've tried it that way and it hasn't worked. But Peter said, nonetheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. And sometimes maybe you're here this morning and, and, and whatever it is, you just need to say, Lord, at your word. I just want to come this morning. I just want to surrender to the flow. I, I just I want to go deeper. And you know what? If you're, if you're only ankle deep this morning, you don't, don't try to go to the place where you're, you're going swimming. I just want to encourage you in that because I've tried that and you, you just beat yourself all up. Just go from ankle deep to knee deep. And if you're knee deep, just go from knee deep to waist deep. And if you're waist deep and you're ready to swim, then just take that next step. It's, it's always the next step with God. He's not asking you to do something that's way out of your reach. I mean, it's out of your ability but it's not out of your reach with him. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.